Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS and Play It Network. I am excited today because we have an investment guru. His name is Ken Weber. He's just written a book earlier this year called Dear Investor, What the Hell Are You Doing? This guy is the go-to guy. I mean, the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, the New York's Attorney General, the Wall Street Journal, Business Week, the Journal of Accountancy, all of these people and firms and places and periodicals they go to him for all of his expertise in 401 and retirement planning and this guy as i said is an investment expert and when i read this title what the hell are you doing it makes me think that people are making mistakes ken welcome to the show i'm sure that's the first thing you're going to talk about is this book so i i have a lot of books on investing mm. Why this book? Why is this book different from all other books <laughs> on Shep, investing? First of all, nice to be here. Shep, you're an old friend, and I'm so happy to participate in this with you. That's a great question. Why is this book different? Yeah, there's a whole section in Barnes Noble, every Barnes Noble across the country, and by the way, they do carry the book. Um, why is it different? Oh, shameless plug. Hey. Barnes & Noble all over the country, <laughs> and of course, Amazon.com, <laughs> and that's Ken Weber, the author, W-E-B, one B, W-E-B-E-R, in case anybody's interested. Yeah, yeah. Why is this book different? All right, that's a great question, and the answer is, listen, most uh, investment books uh, or financial books are written, A, by academics, people who are, uh, who've done studies and say, well, studies say this is what you should do, or uh, professional writers, financial writers. The difference is I'm a registered investment advisor, not part of a big firm, we're a boutique firm, and all I do every day is to talk to investors nationwide, I roll up my sleeves, and I get going and get, uh, get, get down and dirty with the people. And they're young people, they're old people, they're richer people, they're lesser rich people, they're people just starting out in life. But uh, after 25 years of talking to people, I realize it's the mistakes that screw people up, that trip people up. Let me put it that way. And uh, the book is like 25 chapters. I think the first uh, 22 are what not to do, the mistakes people make. So we got to find out what some of those are. And, and I just wonder, I mean, when you say people are making, I think one of the first mistakes people make might be to do it on their own. Right. Is that a mistake? It can be. I mean, uh, I give, and many good books out there do teach you how you can uh, invest on your own. The, the key is that you want to understand what you're doing. The problem for people who do it on their own is that they put in uh, a little bit of time or they read one book or two books, or worse, they listen to some financial guru on television, on radio, and then they follow that advice. Well, that guru may or may not have your best interests at heart, may or may not know anything about you, most likely knows nothing about you. Uh, they will not follow up. So doing it on your own is a good thing. And again, sure, I teach people how to do it on their own, but some uh, objective professional advice in general, in general is a good thing. Right, I would imagine someone on TV uh, they can tell you what's going on with the market. They can talk about a specific stock. Is that a good stock for you? Is it, are you, you know, depending on what age you are, are you willing to take the risks? Uh, do you want something more stable? Uh, I think those are the kinds of things that nobody could possibly know unless they're actually dealing directly with you. I have a subchapter in the book, uh, a subtitle called, I don't know, you don't know, they don't know. 
and it's about all the gurus out there who go on TV shows and radio podcasts and radio shows and make prognostications, predictions. That's a big word, prognostication. I know you know that word. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, and, you know, and, and I tell you, having done this for decades, it's been my hobby since I'm 12 years old, and then I got made a profession out of it. Um, everybody can give you an opinion about the market. Anybody can sound like they know what they're talking about. But, Seth, if you can keep a secret, and again, I know you can, because I know Seth. No, it's Shep. Oh, but that's I, close. My friend just, is Seth. I know. Yeah, oh, my God. Seth is here we in the studio. Yeah, yeah, I, know you, I know. But it's Shep, the, Shep, we've been Hike good friends my, for a really long yeah, time, we haven't, haven't we? Yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> It's the glare from the outside. Beautiful oh, sunny day. that's what it is. Shep, you, um, p- people can sound uh, like they know what they're talking about. Shep, they can sound like they know what they're talking about. That doesn't mean they truly do know what they're talking about. Predictions come and go. They're a dime a dozen. What you see on CNBC or any other, uh, or Bloomberg or anywhere else, uh, is just as good as any other guess. Everything is just an educated guess. People call me every day, my clients, Ken, what do you think about what's happening in the market? And I say, what do you mean what's happening? There's something happening every day in the market. And trying to figure out what's gonna happen this week or next week or a year from now or two years from now. One of the first things I tell people is you have to have a long range plan. I tell people you have to look at the market through a telescope, not a microscope. If you're going to focus on what happened today or this week or this month, sometimes even this year, it's irrelevant if you have done what I talk about in the early part of the book. Have some sort of plan. Have some, some so, sort of so understanding So this is not for are. day traders. This book is not a day traders book because that's really, uh, uh, I think that's gambling at the end of the day. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to get Ken Weber angry, say, oh, I stay out of the stock market. It's like a casino. No, it's not like a casino. Day you, trading yeah, is like a casino. That's right, but not the general stock market. And you and I were just in Las Vegas together. We are good friends, uh, but what happens in Vegas, we'll keep there. <laughs> no, what happens in Vegas stays on Facebook. That's correct. Right. <laughs> but we were good boys. Yeah. Um, the, the stock market itself, the general stock market, not day trading, is unlike a casino because in a casino, uh, Shep, you know going in, you know going in, the odds are against you. The house always ha- has an edge. In the stock market, everybody involved wants you to win. You know, and short term, anything could happen. Long term, history shows, and we're not allowed to make any guarantees. But as you get to five years, seven years, ten years, you greatly increase, greatly increase the odds that you're going to come out a winner. So, this whole notion that I've read all these articles about how you can put a newspaper with all the stocks up on the wall and take some darts and throw it at the wall. And, and hit a few stocks, invest in those, and you'll probably do as well as somebody who's you know, smart, knows what they're doing, uh, does this for a living. I, I can't imagine that to be true, but it is, it is kind of a grand idea. It's kind of a grand idea, and it's kind of true. It is kind of true. It's kind of true. And now, you can't take that dart, throw it at you know, a newspaper uh, page, and wherever it lands, invest in that one stock. In my firm, we use nothing but no-load mutual funds. Okay, and explain for the people who might not know what that is, explain what a no-load mutual fund is. Right, so there's two parts to that. Uh, A mutual fund is nothing more than a basket of lots of different stocks and or bonds because one of the worst things you can do is to be under-diversified. So if that dart hits, you know, company XYZ, 
and you invest in that, well, anything could happen to that company. I don't care what company you're talking about. Apple, IBM, General Motors, well, we look at what's know. happening with Apple. Any company. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything could happen to the CEO. Anything could happen to their product. There could be lawsuits. You have to be broadly diversified. If you're going to do stocks, you need 50 to 100 stocks. Are you going to follow all those carefully? Well, a mutual fund portfolio manager follows those. So a fund is a bucket of stocks, many different stocks put in, and and uh, sometimes they're in a particular discipline. That's correct. They might be a growth fund versus uh, something that might be fixed income. That's correct. A mixture of stocks and bonds, and there are now over 7,000 mutual funds, and they cover the entire investment universe in terms of what their uh, target is. Are they going to be in large stocks, small stocks, foreign, you know, uh, bond funds, like you said. Uh, the other component of what we mentioned was, I said, no-load mutual funds. All right. When I started in this business uh, decades ago, the average mutual fund was sold strictly through a broker. Shep, the broker going in took 8.5%. 8.5% of your money that you put in right off the top. When you give the broker 8.5%, your investment has to go up 9.3 just to get back to break even. And I think the broker has an incentive to sell the fund versus take care of their client yeah. in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but no load funds, ah. Ah, the broker makes no, well, no well, commission or a little commission? No. In general, um, I'm not a fan of brokers, and I'll define it. We'll talk about brokers in a minute. Oh, my broker is going to love this uh, particular show we're doing today. I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> I'm here to help people. <laughs> Listen, um, where to start? Let me just say, nobody calls himself a stockbroker anymore. They're all they're financial business- advisors. Exactly, right. financial consultant, vice president of investments. Their business cards say everything except except stockbroker. But so a no-load mutual fund in general is bought directly through the company and or a firm like Fidelity or Schwab or um, TD Ameritrade. You go to one of those discount brokers and you can get the no-load funds. How does the fund make money? There's what's called an expense ratio. Every fund, a load fund, a no-load fund, they have them. Uh, Don't let a broker say, oh, don't worry, this is a no-load fund. What that will mean in general is that the expense ratio is higher than another fund that's very similar. Which means the cost to run the fund that's is correct. going to be, and, and I think I see somewhere around 2 2.5% a lot of times. Well, that would be ridiculously high, but you do see that. Mm-hmm. But even the difference between uh, 0.5% and 0.9%, um, you know, that difference goes in the broker's pocket. You don't have to pay that. You can go for the 0.5. Now, there are many in my profession, and I'm certainly uh, not against it, talk about uh, index funds. Index funds ha- have no manager. They, they have a manager, but and in that essence, the expenses are minimal because all they're doing is they're they're tracking uh, whatever the, the S&P index 500, is, the S&P 500, right. and so it's it's yeah. all of the stocks. There's no yeah. reason to choose stocks. There's right. no reason to spend money on an on an analyst right. who's going to help out. Right. So right. which fund is, is? I know you can't tell me which fund is right for everyone, but it sounds to me like. Uh, a diversified fund in a number of different disciplines, growth in the S&P, maybe there's uh, small cap and, and large cap right. stocks. Having a, a diverse portfolio, maybe indexing those, right. keeps your expenses low. Right. And because you're diversified, it, it hedges against uh, down markets. But also, it does put a ceiling on the upside, but I think I'd rather oh, be a no. little more conservative. Well, it doesn't put a ceiling on the upside. 
Um, well, it hedges similar to the way you hedge it, your risk. It, you're hedging it, the volatility is mm-hmm. what you're hedging there. Okay. That's yeah. a great way of saying Volatility goes both ways. That's why I'm professional in this, Chef. <laughs> <laughs> volatility goes both ways. When I talk new, to new clients, I say, listen, the only thing I can guarantee in my business is volatility. Well, that's, that's a great line. And, and when we come back, we're going to take a real short break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the most common mistakes that investors make. Because you said the first 22 of the 25 chapters yeah. is about the mistakes we make. I want to hear what some of those mistakes are. I know our listeners do as well. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Do you know that some businesses will spend up to 50% of their office supply budget on ink and toner alone? Now, regardless of how much you spend, do I have a deal for you? If you buy ink and toner, then our friends at LD Products offer an alternative that can save you up to 70% off expensive brand names. And you know how I am about customer service? They're open seven days a week and offer an unprecedented lifetime customer satisfaction guarantee on all LD brand cartridges. You can return the product for any reason. Now, I talked with Aaron Leon, their CEO, to confirm this, and his exact words were, if you don't like the color of the box, we'll take it back. Now, to top all this off, just for the listeners of Amazing Business Radio, you get free shipping and an additional 10% off ink and toner. Just go to ldproducts.com. That's ldproducts.com and use the promo code SHEP, S-H-E-P, when you check out. This offer is valid through December 31st, 2015, excludes OEM, and the free shipping is just for the contiguous U.S. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here. We are back on Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Ken Weber, the author of Dear Investor, What the Hell Are You Doing? Smart and Easy Ways to Fix the Mistakes You Make with Your Money. Ken, we were talking earlier, and we we're, were getting a little update and information in general about the stock market, how to invest, mutual funds. Your specialty is mutual funds. No-load mutual funds. No-load mutual exactly. funds. Great. Keeping expenses down, giving as much back to the investor as possible. Yep. And I promised everybody listening that we would talk about some of the mistakes that people make investing. And who makes more mistakes? Uh Obviously, you've got your professionals who are your financial advisors, the vice presidents of investing, as Mm -hmm. you saw. But then you've got you've got amateurs that feel they know the market, understand the market. You've got people who makes the most mistakes and what kind of mistakes are they making? It's hard to quantify it. That's a great question. Uh, Haven't been asked that question yet in all the radio shows I've done. Uh, And it's interesting. Experienced investors make lots of mistakes, too, but they know how to handle it. So everybody makes mistakes. Uh, and ex- experienced investors typically would make mistakes that are even more expensive than new investors. So obviously new investors, inexperienced people make mistakes. Myster- uh, experienced investors make mistakes. Everyone in- makes mistakes. It's how you handle the mistakes. If you have, as we talked about earlier, a plan in mind, you understand what you're investing for, what your time horizon is, what your needs are. If you've done the basic uh, groundwork, done your homework, then you're not uh, rattled by your mistakes. You're not shaken out of your investment plan. Is there a safe zone? Like if I want to say, okay, I'm going to invest in the market. I'm going to go into those no-load mutual funds. Right. I'm calling Ken Weber of Weber Asset Management. Is that right? That's it. Okay. And in the perfect world, how much time should I give myself to keep myself as low risk as possible? 
I realize if I'm 20 years old and I'm not going to retire till I'm 60 or 70 right. or 80, that's that's really uh, you know way out there. But let's say uh, I'm in my 50s. Right, right. Let's just say. Let's just say. <laughs> uh, listen. There's no one answer for everybody. Everybody's different. Uh, you can be in your 20s, but you may have inherited a lot of money. You can be in your 90s and living off Social Security. You but know. if I've got $10,000 right, to invest. Right. The, the answer is, and I hope this answers your question, but the answer is I tell people if you give us um, a chunk of money to manage, first thing I say is if you, need to, if you think you're going to be needing this money within the next three to five years, we don't want that money to manage. I will tell you to put into a very safe investment. I won't charge you. I'll tell you some options. Uh, and come back when you have another chunk of money that is for that longer time horizon. And so you're of, saying three to five years is long enough. That's, the, that's where you need to have safe investments. Because, Shep, the markets go up, the markets go down. We saw what happened in 1987, uh, 2000 to 2003, uh, 2008, 2009, where you can lose 20, 30, 40% or more of your investment. And how long did those dips last before they came yeah, back? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's only 18 months. But uh, this is one of the, the main, uh, you know, when I talk about the mistakes, dear investor, what the hell are you doing? People get rattled if they don't have the proper time horizon. Markets go down. What do they do? They do exactly the wrong thing. They sell near the bottom, and they're locking in their loss, and they're not participating in the gain. Right. Worst thing that you can do. That's, by the way, where an investment professional on your team can help. The hand-holding. It's a, it's a trite expression, but I will tell you, that's like an insurance policy. Just paying that uh, yearly fee to the advisor can sometimes make up uh, for lots of mistakes you might have made. They'll make you feel more comfortable to hold your hand. I remember it was... It's not just comfort. It's explaining why you're in, reminding you why you're in, what you've said earlier, uh, that you won't get rattled, that you do need the money in 10 years, uh, and it helps you get through those those rough patches that are inevitable. So comfort, maybe the better word is you'll give me confidence to keep going and stay the course, if you will. So I remember I was working with a financial services firm uh, as a speaker coming in and talking to them about client management Mm -hmm. and client retention and that type of thing. And and I said, I got a great strategy. And it it was after the market had just tanked. Mm -hmm. It was down, down, down. And I said, I got a great strategy. First of all, everybody change the office you're in move to a different office within the same that way when the when when the client comes in they can't find you that's really important (laughs) (laughs) no then don't answer the phone no that's not true at all as a matter of fact i think it's the opposite that's one of the reasons we're there you pay a professional to number one hopefully make you good decisions sound advice and then help you stay the course because i know a number of times i've called my advisor up and i say you know what I don't like the way this stock is performing. And he told me why we were in that stock or why we're in that particular uh, money manager's uh, group of funds or, or investments. And he said, this is why you're here. This is what you have to do. It might be two years or three years. You're going to wait this out. That's what you paid me for. If you don't like it, you're going to have to go find someone else. You hired me for my discipline. Patience and discipline are two of the most important factors to investment success. Uh, so that's all very true. All right. So mistakes that people make. Right. I'm not sure. I, I think I heard one big mistake is that we don't give ourselves enough time. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Right. The other, uh, I mean, there's so many mistakes, but everybody makes mistakes. But among the most common are um, listening to the headlines, investing based on the headlines. You know, well, Ken, uh, I, this always uh, worries me. Well, Ken, with all that's happening in the world today, I know that's always a problem. Well, what do you mean what's happening? Whatever is happening in the world today happened a year ago or six months ago or 10 months ago or 10 years ago. 
Um, you can't go by the headlines. You can't invest on what you saw in the news this week. Uh, you have to have that long-term plan. So uh, listening to uh, what you see on the news, investing based on headlines, very, very dangerous. I also think one of the, the, you know, and I know I listen to some of the investment shows on TV, and as I listen to, you know, this hot, hot stock, I think to myself, well, somebody's already made a lot of money on this prior to it being announced. Yeah. So, Listen, but that's why you just said one of my red flags. I really don't like individual stocks. I have a few, but... I'm a, I'm, I'm a very successful investor uh, based on my no-load fund work. Um, individual stocks take a much greater, greater discipline. What I was going to say before, uh, one of the reasons I don't like most brokers, uh, m- most do not, and I can't say most because some are changing, you need to see your internal rate of return. You cannot do that with a calculator. You can't even do it with an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, if there's any money going in or out, whether it's dividends or withdrawals or additions to the account, figuring your true internal rate of return so that you can compare it to the S&P 500, for example, requires a very complex formula. You cannot do it with a handheld calculator. So you need help for that. Well, you need a computer that has that program in it. And our firm and most registered investment advisors, RIAs, do give that number. Uh, I can't say most because things are slightly changing. And so I don't know if it's still most, but I know in the past, and I'm talking the recent past, most uh, of the brokerage firms, the larger brokerage firms, did not, did not give you a true internal rate of return uh, with every statement, certainly at the end of the year. And without that, Shep, you cannot compare how you're doing. To the rest of, not just to the rest of, or to another advisor, another firm, but to really the industry, uh, the indexes, That's right. uh, what's going on. Right. It, because, let, let me just finish, because as human beings, we're optimistic. And by the way, the brokers are trained in sales techniques and getting to focus on the good news, getting to push aside the bad news, you know? So without that black and white number, IRR, internal rate of return, net after net, very important. After all expenses. After all expenses. After all, everything. Yeah, without that, in black and white, in writing, on their letterhead, without that, it's just talk. It in, doesn't mean anything. Internal rate of return. Remember, I-R-R. that's an important word. Yep. All right, another big mistake that investors make. Well, um, they're, they're, you know, it, it's people look at their account too often, so they micromanage. Um I, I my, love micromanaging when it's going up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I will tell you, frankly, I have uh, accounts, you know, at various places, and I don't look maybe once a year. Once a year do I look at uh, what's happening in my account because I know I have a plan. I've invested with discipline. And so um, if you want to look quarterly, that's fine. I will tell you anything more than quarterly, you're just going to give yourself agita and you're not going to accomplish anything. If a client calls and says, well, Ken, what's the market doing today? I will sometimes, if I'm in a snide, snarky mood, I'll say, I don't know. Why should I care? I don't really say that, but that's what I'm thinking. You know, I actually do know what's happening in the market when I'm in my office, Um, but it doesn't matter. If the market's down, if the Dow is down 200 points, what does that mean to us? I always say that's somebody else's price. Your price is 10 years from now. Right, right. I like that. It's a longer outlook, and and we want to look at the internal rate of return. So who should be reading this book? Who's the the most, your your 
the perfect person to go to Amazon or go to Barnes and Noble and pick up this book? What type of investor? The book, Dear Investor, What the Hell Are You Doing? Honestly, and I don't want to sound like, and I haven't written a book <laughs> before this for the investing public. Um, I've written it for anybody who has more than say $100,000 to invest uh, because it takes you through step by step how to read advertisements, how to not talk, be talked into annuities that don't make sense for you. So $100,000 to invest. Yeah. You've just, I think, eliminated 95% of the population. Well, you're right. I Maybe we'll drop it down to 50000 or even 25000 I've never been asked that question that way before, so I hadn't thought about it. But that's right. If you're, if you're a young person and you are starting to save, you should read the book because uh, the early chapters about you know how to put together a plan are important. But if you have $2 million to invest or $5 million, you still... still and, I've gotten responses from our clients, they've all gotten a copy of the book, to say, I wish I had read this when I was younger. Because even people with millions in their uh, brokerage accounts or their mutual fund accounts, still, as we said at the very beginning, uh, they're still making mistakes. They're still um, over-diversifying, under-diversifying, letting their emotions get in the way, not having a long-term plan. They're listening to um, headlines. They're listening to the annuity salesperson. they're buying uh, load funds where they don't need to because the, the broker said there is nothing like this when almost always there is an, a no-load equivalent. You know, There's just so many uh, mistakes that investors make, and that's why I have a chapter for each one of them in there, uh, not just to say it, but to then explain it and give examples of from my life of actually everything in that book, Shep, everything in that book is based on a real-world conversation, or in many cases, dozens or hundreds of conversations. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's what makes the book interesting. It's very conversational. So I remember somebody told me when I was very young, I was in my 20s. You're still young. And they said, invest in an IRA. Okay, now you can do the Roth IRA or the regular IRA, you know, after-tax money or pre-tax. And they said, if I would put $2,000 in between the time I was 22 and the time I was 31, by the time I was 60, and by the way, $2,000 for 10 years, that's $20,000 over 20, and by the way, when you're young, $2,000 seems like a lot, but at 65 years old, when you realize, oh my gosh, I have a million dollars right now, uh, that's pretty good. And compounding interest, and if you're able to hang in there a little bit longer or maybe invest a little bit more than 2000 I would imagine it's exponentially higher. Exactly. And again, one of the keys that I point out in the book, you want investment success, I'm going to steal a phrase from uh, real estate, location, location, location. In my business, the keys to success, save, save, save. Many people in my kids' generation, in their 20s and 30s, you know, 20s and 30s, they want to eat at the best restaurants. They want to travel. That's all fine. But save, save first. Save first. Pay yourself first. Put that money aside. You really have to do it. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about some trends in the stock market. Ken, I'm going to ask you what you see ahead, and maybe you can give us a little idea. I kind of know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> what does it really matter? But I think you can give us an optimistic look at a general investment strategy. It may be optimistic. Maybe not. I didn't give it yet. Okay, but we'll find <laughs> out. This is Chef Hyken. and we are talking with Ken Weber, author of Dear Investor, What the Hell Are You Doing? You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. 
Jeff Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It. We're with Ken Weber. We've been talking about the financial markets, investing, mistakes that investors make. And uh, I, I promised that we would talk about uh, what's coming up in the market. So uh, tell us, what's coming up? What should we look forward to or should we look forward? What do you see ahead for the stock market? Shep, Shep, Shep. <laughs> yeah, as we said earlier, as I said, um, I don't know, you don't know, they don't know. Meaning, um, none of us know. However, you ask me, you're an old friend, I'm gonna give you my best shot. Everything we do is an educated guess uh, because we are still in a low interest rate environment um, and a number of other factors, productivity and wages. Um, we think there are a lot of green lights out there, but we have gone, it's like five and a half years now without a major correction in the market. So I have been nervous. Um, at some point, something unexpected will come along. Um, some unexpected news will hit the market. The market can go down 10, 15, 20%. But we think when and if that does, it's really when it does, it's not if, um, that downturn will be short-lived. Because uh, my partner and I, Jack Bowers, who writes Fidelity Monitor newsletter, uh, and has an excellent, amazing track record. Um, we both think that uh, the environment for the next several years is still a good one for investors. And I think long-term, yeah. the environment's good because if you just look at history, and by the way, future performance is... Well, past performance past is no, performance is is no, no guarantee of future success. It, future exactly. success. We but, always say that, yep, absolutely. Right. But if you look at the trends uh, over the years, yeah. uh, they go up, then there's a correction, something could Here's happen, the key, there could Shep. be a war, who knows what, but it always comes back. L let me give you the one word that gives you confidence, and I don't care where you are on the political spectrum, it's capitalism. We are in a capitalist society, capitalism means that this company is gonna always compete with that company and then a new guy comes along and they compete and it, it's a system that breeds profits. And so long-term capitalism uh, builds the market. People who invest in good companies, good, good ideas uh, in a broad range of companies through good no-load mutual funds, if they have the patience and discipline long-term, they're gonna come out very, very well. I'm not allowed to guarantee that. Right, but uh, three statistics words. are- Patience? discipline long-term. Yeah. And I think that will be, that's probably in what chapter 25 is of this great <laughs> book. Dear Investor, What the Hell Are You Doing? Smart and Easy Ways to Fix the Mistakes You Make with Your Money. All right, so uh, great ideas. I think it's a fairly optimistic uh, outlook. I mean, a lot of things could happen over yep. the next few years. Yep. There could be, like I said, there could be wars. There could be interest rate changes. There could be... Honestly, we're always optimistic long-term. Mm -hmm. That's As the key. It, it, it's, once again, yeah. that word long-term yeah. keeps popping up. All right, so let's talk about stockbrokers. If yeah. I'm buying mutual funds, what do I need a broker or an advisor for? Uh, we talked earlier Stockbrokers, again, nobody calls themselves that anymore. You want to be sure you're in good, low-cost, no-load mutual funds. You can typically buy those directly on your own. If you work with a registered investment advisor, an RIA, they typically uh, are fee-only, which means they're not getting any sort of revenue sharing or kickback from the company. That's what you want, and you want that in writing. Right, that takes out all the incentive to push one fund over another. There's a new thing that's being discussed in Congress right now about fiduciary duty, and that means that you, uh, as, a, as an investment professional, you put your client's interests ahead of yours. Brokers do not have to sign that. They are not fiduciaries. They only have to put you in, quote, suitable investments. 
that could be very expensive, a very expensive difference for you, the investor. So you want to be with a uh, person who takes fiduciary responsibility and is fee only. No kickback from anybody. All the fees come from the clients. That's my biggest tip I can give you. I think that's a great tip, but I'm going to ask you for one more tip because as we start to wrap up here, we're getting close to running out of time. Um, You've written a great book. Dear Investor, What the Hell Are You Doing? It can be found at Amazon.com. It could be at Barnes & Noble. Uh, And I want one more big tip. All right. The biggest tip you've got for me. Have you been holding back? No, we've gone through all the big tips, but I'll give you one that um, drives me crazy, especially with um, wealthy investors. They are very tax sensitive. They see see a number that they had to pay $100,000 in taxes. I've actually set a Shep lost clients, lost clients because we made them too much money. And I say, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. You've made them so much money that they decided to go find someone else. Because they had to pay a big tax bill. And everything I've done in my career uh, says invest for profits. Now, most of our profits that we get for our clients are long-term. But if we get you long-term gains, don't say I made too much money for you, you had to pay a lot of taxes. Be happy because you would either pay it now or pay it later. Okay, so I'm going to make a statement. So the world can hear this. Yeah. I want to pay yeah. as much tax as possible. You got it. Okay. But not because the Congress raised the rates or the president said, let's let's." Because get, you made because money. I made money. Exactly. And, you know, and, and that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you have been listening to Amazing Business Radio. My name's Shep Hyken. We've been with Ken Weber, the author of Dear Investor, What the Hell Are You Doing? I hope you enjoyed this uh, show. I think it was great. I learned quite a bit today. Everybody, thanks for listening. Remember, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.